Sister Zaya Show. Hey guys, welcome back to the Zaya Show. Today I am here with the author of Harmony Haven, Andrew Schultz. Hello, hello, hello. First of all, I'm going to ask how you doing. Uh, I'm doing well today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's Friday. Yes. When they hear this, is going to be Wednesday, but it's Friday. Oh, when we're recording, right? <laughs> it feels great. <laughs> I'm right. So I just want to get into uh, the questions. So what inspired you to create this audiobook series? So I had a 25-year career as an actor before this and uh, I don't know how much we'll get into it uh, I'm always welcome to talk about my mental health issues but I got oh, yes. mental health uh, diagnoses and I just couldn't uh, for a while I couldn't leave my house like it was so bad so my acting career sort of had to stop and a very dear friend of mine sort of tough loved me on the street one day uh, she is a dog walker uh, so I was walking I was walking with her with her dogs and she just turned to me and just yelled you can't just stop being a creative person just because you quit acting and right. it stuck in my head um, that night and I was like you know she's right but like I, what can I do from home and I before I started acting I actually used to write all the time, uh, like six, seven years old. I just, uh, both my parents passed this year and my cousin uh, who was cleaning out my mom's house sent me some uh, just stuff that she had found in case I wanted it. And one was one of those books that you write, uh, like you fill in the blank, you know, for a kid, for like yeah. a six, seven year old kid. And one yeah. of the things that surprised me, I went back and looked at, I wrote was, uh, I said, I hope to write many books in my life because oh. that was what I did. I wrote as a kid, but as soon as I found acting, I dropped writing like a hot potato and I started doing that <laughs> instead. <laughs> um, so I was kind of coming back to it and that was how it started. Uh, I will say, I think had I not, I got, uh, went back to graduate school. I got my master's degree in acting and I think had I not gone to that specific school that I went to, because they use improv so much, yeah. uh, not uh, comedic improv, mm -hmm. but um, say like, um, well, you know, we had talked about Angels in America, right? So that yeah. was my first year. My first year teacher gave me that <clears throat> as a scene to do. So uh, where I played Joe. Uh, my other friend played Harper. So, like, if there's a, a, a big moment for you in the play uh, that doesn't happen during the play, but happens off screen or happens in your past, right. uh, the actor's studio is really big on having you come in with your scene partner and do, like, a 20-minute improv of that moment so that when you're talking about it in the play, you both have the memory of actually having gone through that. So all of that, and that's three years uh, uh, program, all of that experience in improv is sort of what helped me in this new stage of writing 
because I just mm-hmm. I, I use my acting training. I know uh, what needs to happen in the scene. I know what my character's objectives are in the scene. Yeah. I decide which point of view, which character's point of view we're going to see it from, and then I essentially mm-hmm. just sit down and improv. <laughs> <laughs> a, a, yeah. a scene Crazy and then later you know it, it's true uh, later yeah. I have to go back and edit it of course because it's just a first <laughs> draft you know it's always rough yeah. but um, that's uh, kind of what I do and that was what started the whole thing and I think I might have mentioned to you before although it's a podcast this year yeah I actually I released it for the first time last year in written format where I sent it out to people's uh, emails every morning. It goes out at 7 a.m. So I actually have two different audiences right now. I have the audience listening to the first year as a podcast, but I have a whole other audience that are reading the second year in written format. That's crazy. Do you find any difference between the two audience of how they take on the piece? hear as much i do not get as much feedback from the podcast audience Uh, i think the emails uh, the written format is just um it's more organic because it gets sent to them in an email and so they more often than not will you know will just email me back with oh my god i can't believe that happened or their theories on you know what's happening and the like um and i've so far i don't hear much from the podcast audience, but I'm holding on to the audience that I have. So I'm assuming things are going well. Yeah, it's definitely going well. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The way that I listened to the podcast, it felt like, as I told you, just felt like a television show without the images. And I got to make up the images in my head and I took it the way I perceived it. That's great. You know, it's exactly what I want to have, have happen. Especially since I'm an actor, too, you know. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's the acting. It's the acting bug in, in both of us. Like, even though, like, you haven't performed on stage, you still have the acting bug within you whenever you're writing this uh, story, you know? Yeah, for sure. I, I, yeah, I, the, um, in the second year, some characters are, have been going through a really rough time. And it's hard to sit down and write it every day because I feel like I go through it with them. Like, I'm like, oh, I just need to get them back together. They need to fix their stuff. Um, And it's been super interesting doing the podcast this year um, and actually acting all of the roles, you know. Um, People... The, the audience last year, as I, as I wrote it, everybody said to me, oh, are you going to make this into a podcast? Are you going to make this into a podcast? And at the time, I lived in Brooklyn, New York, on a very busy street in an apartment building with two dogs who bark at every single noise. So I was just like, there's no way I can make this into a podcast. <laughs> I, there's no uninterrupted time where there's not incredibly loud noise happening around me. And during the pandemic, we moved to downstate New York into this tiny little hamlet into a house and the I'm where I am right now we have a finished basement and it's very quiet out here in general but it's very quiet down here and it was a really last minute decision in December I suddenly thought oh I have the space now where I could record this as a podcast 
Um, so it was really, it was, I really, really quickly had to research uh, what I would need and how I'd get started. And it was such, I don't know how it's been for you, but the recording and the editing was definitely, there was a huge learning curve for me oh, that man. I had to get over really fast. <laughs> but now I that I know what I'm... Yeah, because with the editing part, I kind of was a soundboard for my high school theater sometimes. So it wasn't hard because it was just like, oh, it's like soundboard almost low key. Perfect. Right. <laughs> but yeah, what would you say? Uh, I think I was done. I, I was just, just that it was a, I, it was a big learning curve for me to learn how to, to do the editing. But no, I think I was going to say now that I had it down it's so much easier it happens it goes so much more quickly than it did that first month would you like to explain uh this to people that probably didn't hear yeah yes i will so and i think we've said the name of it yet unless you said it in the intro i don't remember the homos of harmony haven um which i was originally just going to call it harmony haven and my dear friend who oh, actually does the uh, intro. Uh, she's a voiceover uh, actor. She's the one who introduces the show. Uh, when we were, she's helped me a lot. Uh, she reads them over and over and helps me edit them and get the characters' voices the same. And I looked at asked her one day, I said, the homosexuals of Harmony, of Harmony Haven is too long of a title, isn't it? And she volleyed right back to me, the homos of Harmony Haven. And I was just ding, 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 ding. That's the title. That is it right there. Because it tells you immediately that it doesn't take itself too seriously. It's a little off, you know, it's a little off kilter. Um, The setup is that um, you've got a self-proclaimed self-help guru, Sebastian Seaford, who has made his living uh, as a self-help author and had a TV show, has a podcast now. And it begins with one of his lectures and he announces to his audience his engagement to a 23-year-old Alex Reynolds. And his family is very, uh, because he was married, he was in the closet for a long time and married, so he has three kids. Um, And his family is very confused and surprised by that because his husband had just died from cancer six months ago. So they're a little suspicious of young Alex. Uh, and Alex used to be an escort in Chicago. Um, and so that does not go over well. So they think that he's kind of, you know, going after their father for his money. Um, and that's the basis of it. Uh, yes. Like there are, because it's a daily serial, there are, I have about three or four stories always going at once. It's just that all the characters have to interact. But that's the story that starts uh, the whole thing out. He's got uh, his oldest son is a cop who is a heterosexual male. Uh, his middle child is a lesbian daughter who is an alcoholic mess. Who's lots of fun to write. Um, and then they have the youngest son who does not come in until like five or six months into the series. He's away in college and he's an actor uh, at Vassar. So he comes, I don't know if you've gotten to his stuff yet, but uh, he'll come back and he just kind of causes trouble whenever he makes an appearance. (laughs) 
So this kind of segue into the next question. What inspired you uh, to create each character? Did you use like a piece of your own personal experience for each character so you could have like that connection with them? Or did you just like take uh, inspiration from television or another role that we already know of and kind of just put your twist on it? I uh, took my inspiration. It went back to my friend telling me, you know, I needed to, I couldn't just stop being creative because I quit acting. And so I went to thought about what I really love and what I really love are soap operas. I've loved them ever since uh, I was, I, I, I don't remember a time when I didn't watch a soap. My mom was a single mother and she was a teacher. <clears throat> so when I was in kindergarten and first grade and only having like half days, my grandmother is who would pick me up and take me back. Uh, and I would stay at uh, her place until my mom got off of work to, to pick me up and she watched her stories as she called it. And I watched them along with her and I've now gone back cause I was curious. I've looked at YouTube. All my children was what she watched was the big one. And I, I looked for clips of storylines and I realized, yeah, I've been watching that since I was six years old. Um, so the inspiration that I took was, I thought, you know what? There was never, a five-day-a-week soap opera, uh, LGBTQ soap opera. Yeah. And so I thought, well, that would be interesting. It, that's just interesting in my mind. Like, how would you even go about writing that? How do you have – because the soaps are always about families. Like, how do you have a family if they're LGBTQ? That's why I'm like, well, you have the guy who's older, and he's – so he's been in the closet. He was married for years and years, so he's got, you know, kids. Um, and, of course – because he was married, he has an ex-wife who is very vindictive uh, and did not take the news that she had been married to a gay man for 20 years uh, right. well, and it sort of makes it her life's... She runs... Uh, she owns the only newspaper in town. She's the editor of the only newspaper, so she try, tends to make his life kind of a living hell. And poor little Alex as well, uh, once he's in the mix. Yeah. That's kind of crazy. So, yes. uh, during so, COVID... So I, so, I started, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, this is this is me. Uh, you'll learn, I, I, I go off on tangents, and I forget what the heck I was talking about in the first place. Um, so, so what I started doing... What was that? You are totally fine. Okay, all right. Um, so I sat down, and I started thinking about how you'd write a soap, and I, I started taking, like, archetypal soap characters and try to figure out how I could put an LGBTQ spin on them. So that was how uh, I did the characters. They don't really come from my own life. Although um, some things that people say, or they're like little tiny details are about people I know, friends of mine, things that they'll say or things that they'll do. But um, the big stuff is all just is all made up. Well, that's very interesting. So this kind of segue into uh, COVID-19. So I know COVID-19 put us all in the house alone for several months, up to a year. Did you, like, did your series take a turn through COVID-19? Or did you, or did it kind of just stay the same? Like, it, while stay, it's, it? it stayed the same. And I can tell you why. I, I mean, I can, I considered it. Uh, I released it at the beginning of 2020 
Um, so it just so happened it's COVID for me was a blessing and a curse because people were suddenly trapped at home and they were looking for content to entertain themselves. And so I just happened to have this written series released. And so it kind of, you know, took off by some people. Um, And I considered it, but one of the people who writes me a lot, gives me feedback who I don't know is a nurse. And she told me, she works the overnight shift and I would, re- I, I schedule my emails t- so that they go out to the audience at 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And okay. she said the email would come when she got off of work. And she was so thankful after doing an all night shift of COVID, dealing with COVID patients, that she had this once she got home to just be a complete escape from it. And I thought, you know, the, I think that's what people want right now is an escape. I don't think they want to read anything that reminds them of COVID, you know? Yeah, we don't. Them... Right. We have enough of that in our regular lives. <laughs> so it, so I, it didn't change. I just, I decided to keep it the same. We just pretend Harmony Haven, it's yeah. a made-up town. So it's in its own little universe where COVID just didn't happen. I wish I was there. <laughs> I know, right? Don't we all? Are you vaccinated? Did I ask? Oh, yes, I'm vaccinated. I got vaccinated since my mom was a nurse because she dealt with... Oh, uh, nice. Like, I, like, like the first few dosages, like, around March. So, I felt great. I felt great after I got it. I still feel great. <laughs> Me too. I, I was so relieved when I had... I, yeah, I feel like I could take on the world. Right. Especially being an actor now, it's like COVID tests every single two weeks. I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, you oh, don't know imagine. the crew. I have never had a COVID test because I, with my anxiety issues, uh, just essentially did not leave my house for almost a year. So there was no way I would get it. So there's no need for me to have it. Because I just see the pictures of those people with that big q-tip being shoved up their nose i'm like i don't want to do that like the first time hurt and then afterwards like every time when it was like for like you know like a show or like you know because i'm on college campus so for right me, it was okay i'm not gonna give it to this group of people i'm not gonna do this so i just took it especially if i go home for a weekend because my people have health issues i'm like i don't want to bring it home so i just took right. the test and it's like every two weeks myself yeah my um uh, the friend i talked about who um uh is does the read does the intro to the homos of harmony haven podcast uh she teaches voice in uh university of illinois champaign urbana so she also she has to get tested every i think two weeks she said yeah because it's the thought so of weird that, yeah because it felt weird in rehearsals where we have to wear a mask and we can't make a real big choices close it had to be like social distance yeah i can only imagine it was so awkward and i was like okay guys let's hug again and i'm like okay we're hugging now (laughs) (laughs) i miss that so much we had our friends come out i hugged everybody for you know so hard for like a minute it was so great to be able to do that again right do you ever think you would go back to acting no, 
Absolutely not. One hundred percent. I can only say that because it's been four. No, it's been five years now. Um, oh. I had once thought, at a time, I thought, you know, maybe if I left New York and I went to uh, a, a smaller city again, uh, that maybe I might do it. But I now know I wouldn't. I definitely wouldn't do it. Um, it's just unless my mental health, unless we get it under control a lot better, um, I definitely wouldn't, but I kind of feel like I'm doing it now with the podcast. Like I'm able to act from home, um, which is great. And I was surprised at how much I actually, it was hard at first and it's really hard listening to my voice at first. Because, of course, I make all sorts of mistakes, so I have to go back and edit, or I sometimes don't like the way I said something, so I'll give it a second take, so I have an option to choose from when I'm editing. So I have to yeah. listen to myself a lot, and that took uh, getting used to. But now that I'm used to all of that, I find I really enjoy uh, acting this out for right now. And... It's going to go on for a while. I mean, I'm right now I'm writing October um, for the written people. It's their second year. So it's October, 2021, but for the podcast, it's October of 2022. So this podcast is, uh, especially if I keep my audience and fingers crossed, it continues to grow. uh, This is going to be around for a while. So it'll get my acting fix. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Finger crossed, but acting comes a different uh, creativity. It comes through sometimes. It comes through voice, comes through physical, you know, and it sometimes comes through uh, writing as well. So to me, it's, it's like you're still acting, but, yeah. you know, like the stage sometimes could scare people. And do you want to talk about your anxiety? Yeah. Um, it is something that I've had ever since I was, uh, again, as, as long as I can remember. And my mother had this, although she would never admit it. My grandmother definitely had this, um, but we didn't talk about mental. We barely talk about mental health now, really, and mental illnesses. Um, back then, when I was a kid in the seventies and eighties, we really didn't. So, I had blocked out so much of my childhood. But I now remember telling every adult in my life how that I how scared I was all the time. I completely had forgotten about the nightmares that I would have. uh, And I would often have to get my mom's bed in the middle of the night. And I hate to say, but I still have them now. Um, They went away because I started drinking. Um, A lot of people that have a generalized anxiety disorder self-medicate with alcohol because the alcohol it works. It, it depresses your central nervous system and people just don't realize that that's what they're doing. Um, so this is something I've always had. And the way I got diagnosed, I also found out as how most people do is you eventually end up with irritable bowel syndrome because you're tense so much. And it's partly that you uh, clench in your gut area so after, you know, 20 to 25 years of that, you start having problems. Um, but also serotonin, which affects our moods, which is in our brain, is also in our gut. 
So I got diagnosed with that. And what, when you have that, you can't drink alcohol because it irritates like crazy. It's so painful. And I stopped drinking and it was like eight or nine months after that when things just got really out of control. I was also, I had my own dog walking company uh, at the time and walking on the streets of New York was just very, very hard. And it's something every time I see a mass shooting happening in the country, I'm, I'm reminded of two times in particular on the street where I was in such a state of anxiety if I had had a gun in my hand, I would have killed these people that uh, caused me to go to like a really high level of anxiety. Yeah. Um, it, it was, it's frightening uh, in a way to think about. Definitely. I say it's like uh, the way I would explain it to my therapist is like, I'm high strung like a cat. So when a noise happens, I have an actual physical reaction and a vocal reaction where I scream and I cry out. Um, and it's, boy, it's not fun to live with, but we all have our crosses to bear, as they say. And I have a great team of mental health professionals and have been in therapy now for three years. And so I have a lot of what they call cognitive behavioral therapy techniques. Yeah. And then on top of that, I have um, the replacement for alcohol, which is a class of drugs called benzos that's your xanax your valium um they work just like alcohol because they work within about 30 minutes of taking them they only last for about three to four hours they wear off and your body gets used to the dosage with time so you need more and more of it Um, which is why you can't take it all the time which is why you have to have the combination of the therapy and the the drugs but they said when I, when you have an anxiety disorder as strong as badly as I have it, you've, they found it really is a combination of both. So I take the medication as little as I can, or, uh, yeah, as little as I as little as I can. I try to use yoga, and I at um, in my early thirties, late twenties, early thirties, I became a yoga and meditation instructor. There were all sorts of things I just did naturally that every therapist asked me when I started at, uh, looking into this uh, uh, anxiety issues. I also have chronic depression. I also have obsessive compulsive disorder, uh, but those are much more easily uh, dealt with, managed with medication. Yeah. Um, but I, people would always ask me, well, do you drink caffeine? And I would say, no, I stopped drinking caffeine at 24. It was like I naturally knew that was a problem. They, they would ask how much sleep do you get at night and i'm like oh i, I get eight or nine hours like I'm, i was always that person who said no i'm sorry i can't come to your party i have to go home and go to sleep because it's true if you don't get yeah. enough sleep the the you can't deal with the anxiety as well the next day very true and then i became a yoga and meditation teacher so i had that practice going so it was kind of one of the th- those things early on everybody said okay well you're doing all the right stuff have you tried medicate medication and i was like no i really haven't and i kind of had been against it and i still it took me a year and a half of therapy before i finally went okay it's just so bad i'm willing to try the medication right because i have anxiety about becoming addicted to it (laughs) 
But yeah. like my, psychi- my, my psychiatrist said, well, don't let your anxiety keep you from taking the anxiety medication. <laughs> yeah, because anxiety, honestly, for me, like, I am just a what if person. Like, you could tell me everything will be fine, but I'm like, what if this happened? What if that happened, huh? You don't know what's going to happen in the future. You never know. And I think, uh, especially 2020 bought that out in me because I'm just a worrisome person. Like, you know, like, they probably be like, oh, would you like to do this production? I'm like, what if you... How would I do this production? Like, oh my goodness, like, I just stress to the limits, especially, you know, like, now we don't know the no, like, there's no guarantee, like, we're all gonna be fine, you know what I'm saying, so. I absolutely do. I absolutely do. Since 2020. And I found it's been easier now to talk to people about mental illness because of COVID, because people have had that anxiety around it. And so it's easier for them to understand when I say, okay, so that way that you're feeling, that's how I feel every single second of my day. Like it never goes away. Even while I sleep, that's, uh, I'm back to having nightmares again. Um, thankfully, it's usually only one or two nights a week because I found the anxiety goes in a cycle. I have three to four good, uh, good days and I have three to four bad days. But I have, um, I still... Unfortunately, I'm essentially having a panic attack in my sleep is what happens. Uh, the nightmares are so bad. I woke yeah. up one night and I, I told myself, okay, you're either having a heart attack or you're having a panic attack. Cause I felt like I couldn't breathe. and like, there's something pressing on my chest. And did you watch Schitt's Creek? Oh yes. I love Schitt's Creek. Yeah, I did too. And the only <laughs> thing that got me, I mean, first I said to myself, well, Andrew, you know, you have anxiety issues, so you're probably having a panic attack. But I just remember David going to the vet and <laughs> yeah. that's all they had. And the vet telling him you're having a panic attack. And he was like, Oh, those aren't real. That's something that celebrities make up to get out of community service. <laughs> oh, we. <laughs> For that moment, I said, dang. <laughs> right? I was like, the shade, but the low key kind of, I guess it's kind of true. I don't know. I'm not a celebrity, so I won't know. Oh, so I, 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 I've kept my sense of humor throughout it as best as I can. That's great. We all need to laugh. I don't know. Be like the question, like, you know, like, since you was an actor for like 20 years, you know. What's one piece of advice you'll give to upcoming actors? Because most people that listen to this podcast are like theater people or members of the LGBTQ and, you know, other welcoming people. So what's one piece of advice you'll give to upcoming actors that are trying to break into the industry? Well, there's one thing that was told to me and it's, I can't help but share it which is if there is anything else you could possibly do do that (laughs) besides acting (laughs) but if there's not if that is just what you have you know because it's hard it is a hard 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 business um but i would say the biggest piece of advice is to just try to relax, have fun, and remember that the casting people really are on your side. They, when you walk into a room to audition, mm-hmm. it's it, it, or it might just be because of my uh, mental health issues, but I, I think you can often feel like they're waiting for you to fail. 
when in reality, when you're on the other side of the table, because I've been there too, you're yeah. waiting for you're waiting for people to succeed. You know, you sure. want them to be at their best. You want because because you want to cast this. Um, I took yeah. a a class with. Um, it was another thing that was really good for me. Right out of school, I got hooked up here in New York with a woman. Her name is Heidi Marshall. If anybody comes to New York City and wants to be an actor, look up Heidi Marshall and take her classes. She uh, went to CMU. Yeah, Carnegie Mellon, that's what it's called, um, in Pittsburgh for directing. And when she got here, somebody said, hey, um, oh, Bernie, got Telsey. I was like, what is his name? Uh, Telsey and Telsey and Company needed somebody uh, to help out in the casting office. And she cast Rent, the musical. Yeah. And that just sort of took off to such an extent that she became one of the leading casting directors in the industry. And she found herself at one point going, you know what? This is not what I came here to do. I came here to be a director. So she stopped being a casting director and she started pursuing directing her own projects and to make, uh, continue to make a living and to help with that. She started teaching actors and she, she gives you the experience all her years of experience of being on the other side of that table and what it's like and she really breaks it down for you and i in a way that really i think for me and everybody i've, I've sent so many people to her um she helps you really relax really understand how to be your best self in yeah. an audition and on top of that uh she walks the walk she is such a champion of actors she she will recommend you for projects. You know, she's something like, I mean, this is a major casting director. And I just took a class with her. Um, but uh, the, the biggest high profile thing that I had gotten cast in was because she recommended me to be a reader. One of the people who reads uh, uh, the sides with people coming into yeah. audition for Steven Soderbergh's television series on Cinemax called the Nick. Um and because I was reading in that, the casting director said, at halfway through the first day, she said, okay, you're so good that half the time I, I want to turn and look at what you're doing and not the people that I'm supposed to be auditioning. <laughs> so I ended up getting cast in the, right. in the show um, because she put me on tape and sent me to Steven Soderbergh and uh, I ended up getting in it. But not only that, I had an audition at Telsey and Company, which was where Heidi spent all her years at. And I, I think I had written her with something like, you know, what to know. And she told me, oh, David, the guy who I was auditioning was going to be, told me about him, whatever. And of course, it was just a first audition. So the major casting director wasn't there. It was his assistant or his assistant's assistant who was there. Right. And... I wrote her an email and said, thanks for everything that you sent me. I said, of course, David wasn't actually in the room. What was I thinking? Um, and God love her. She wrote me back and said, I just emailed David and told him to be on the lookout for your audition tape um, and got called back and got cast from that. You know, so she, she, I just can't talk her up enough. She's one of the nicest, sweetest uh, most talented people uh, who really loves actors and really uh, becomes your best friend. Yeah. So I would say definitely if anyone comes to New York, look up Heidi 
Heidi Miami Marshall uh, is her full name and to take her class because she'll be one of the best assets you can have. Oh, definitely. Uh, casting, especially because I was an assistant director for a hot minute, you know, and I got to hear the conversation. Sure. So after I was an assistant director, I was like, okay, I know what they, you know, looking for. So it doesn't scare me as much, but the only thing that really especially for the last show, it was about uh, police brutality, it was called Dark Skin Payment, written by TJ Young. And I was reading for the sun, and I was like, oh, this piece is too dark. You know, like, oh, it was like the callback. It was like, but I don't know, but like, whenever I feel like afraid of a, it just makes me want to go for it even more. But whenever of course. I'm fun, that's when I like know I'm like, I know I did that. And that's when I get cast. But if I'm stressing about it and I'm overthinking it and I'm trying to do, make me not who I'm supposed to be, then I don't, that's when I don't get casted. But also, type acting, like, you know, like, the type of actor you are. I'm more of the comedic one. So, I guess trying to break out that mold as well is hard as an actor, because if you are solved for one thing, that is the one thing you will be doing probably for the rest of your acting career. Always. I know it's so frustrating for everybody involved. Even in theater. Yeah, I read uh, Jason Momoa, um, who is he's Aquaman now, um, but he was he had, did tons of stuff before Game of Thrones. But he was in Game of Thrones, and he played this character that didn't speak English. And he said afterwards he had a hard time getting work because people thought he didn't speak English. Right. <laughs> That's how much the suits, as we call them typecast you know in your get you in your head and they just can't see you as anything else yeah it's so frustrating when all of us who've gone through a theater training you know your training is that you can portray anyone you know uh like the you used to have meryl streeps and dustin hoffman's who were just different with every single role they did they are chameleons and it's definitely now become branding is such a whole thing and what is your brand and you have to be the best thing at your brand you know which has also frustrated me i think i got out of the business at just the right time because i was just it was starting to get yeah, on my nerves i was doing my headshots and i uh, uh, here now and when i was taking my pictures uh <laughs> Because I'm taking a picture of a photographer, and she was just saying, like, you definitely look more young. Like, this is perfect for you. Like, stay blonde. And I'm like, what if I want to switch it up? Like, what if I want to go back to short hair? She's like, you won't get cast if you get short hair. You know, so it's like. <laughs> now it's like, hey, like, stay this way so you can get casted for something probably big. Because now I look younger. And, you know, young wins in the industry. And I'm just Always. like. Always, I love it, but I'm 20. Like, I'm about to be 21 in like six months. Like, forever. No. So, I feel that, especially since I remember there was one time as well, I was auditioning for a lead role in a show. I, I don't remember the show, but it was basically like, oh, like, you know, like, you're not tall enough and you're not buff enough. And I'm like, oh, 
like, okay. And he just saw me as a sidekick. And I was like, okay, now we understand the real acting experience. Because in high school, you know, the high school director, I love you, Lanson. I love her. Shout out to Lanson. She's amazing. And she would cast us based off our acting abilities. And that's one thing I like about her. There will be sometimes match or coordinate because you know like you're a couple and y'all supposed to have a kid so there was things like that but she mainly focused on our acting skills and that was something that I'm grateful she did because that's where I really got to experiment with each type of different character you know right yeah I got to do the same thing uh which so, I I enjoyed so much uh yeah. those seem like such long days ago um I'll always remember the first time I auditioned for a Disney show Ooh. Um, because that, those are insane. You walk into a room and there are 500 people that look exactly like you. Oh, that's <laughs> creepy. That is very creepy. And you're just like, how, I have no chance of getting cast in this. Like, how, how does it even happen? But that's the kind of thing where it helps you to just let it go. Just realize, just go in, just do your thing, be yourself. And you're going to get cast or you're not, you know? Because, oh, uh, yeah. And if it's you don't get casted for anything, I mean, you can always write your own play and just do your one-man show on one Ex- Exactly. It is. Or and audition for community theater. They can always use actors, so... It's also so easy now, you know, the, our, the, yeah. the uh, cameras and our phones are so high quality that you can write your own series and, you know, film it, yeah. shoot it and release it on the web, release it on YouTube. Or you could do monologue Mondays and just post different monologues and try to challenge yourself and see how it get respond. You know, exactly. There's so much now. Yeah. Oh, there's so many. Ways. And the industry is, the industry has really been go moving towards self taping now where Definitely. you don't actually go into an office and audition. you, Take you film yourself at home, um, which is it's been kind of controversial, and a lot of actors don't like it because you have to. I mean, you have to get set up a space in your house because you've got to have a you know white wall and you've got to yeah. have lighting correct and you've got to get somebody mm-hmm. to read with you and somebody to videotape it and all that. But I think because of my anxiety, I loved it. It was like I don't have to get on the train, I don't have to sit in a waiting room. With all these people who look just like me. <laughs> yeah, right. I can just do, and I can do it as many times at home as it's I want. As you I can want. do it like six, seven, eight times. And they don't even know it. Send them the one I like. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, I really liked it. Um, I like that too. Because I actually just did a self audition tape uh, today for a musical. And I was just like, I don't like how I sound. I don't like how I sound. So I just kept doing it over and over and over for four hours straight. Oh my gosh. <laughs> until I got the all right one. And I was just like, that's the one. We're going with that one. So, I mean, I love self-taping. But there's so many ways to become an actor, especially these days. Like, it feels like you just have to choose which type of actor you want to be. Do you want to be a theater type, a web series type? Do you want to just jump into the TV and movies? You know, I guess it just depends on the person. I I think it does. I I, I had done mostly theater. I love uh, theater for a good like 20 years it wasn't until i graduated from the actor's studio that i started doing film and i i will say maybe if i did it longer i would have liked it but i really i didn't really enjoy working in film Uh, as i always said 
it's what everyone says, the money is ridiculous compared to theater money. <laughs> um, and of course you get residuals uh, for years down the line uh, for work that you did. But I, I'm, I liked having the interaction with the audience and I liked telling a story from beginning to end with them in real time. And I really, it was weird doing film. It's like, like I'm acting, but, and no one can react. So like well, I, I was filming like some things that are comedies, but you know, no one can laugh because it's going to be on the thing. It's just the oddest right. thing. Uh, I could not get used to it. I could not get used I to it. Unexpected. I always said, and it's one of the things Heidi uh, Marshall would ask is like, what would be your ideal thing? I was like, my ideal thing is that I would be cast on a sitcom that filmed in front of a live audience because that would be both you know, the best of both worlds and just watching the friends reunion uh, on HBO max and them talking about how, you know, they were essentially doing a mini play every week and they'd have that audience that would come in on Friday yeah. and do it for, and I was like, that's, you know, that would have, that sounds like a dream. That would have been the dream for me, I think, but no longer. Now I have, <laughs> I got my homos I got yes. my homos and I can create them and I can tell them what to say and then I can say it. Yeah. With them. Uh, how far did you get? Uh, I got to the engagement party because, you know, working. That's right. Places, That's uh, right. Nobody has a lot of people that are going to check it out. So I'm not going to say. Right. I don't either. But I'm going to ask who's your favorite character? Oh, my favorite character. That's hard because. I love so many of them. For you. But I'm gonna just say Sebastian on behalf of all listeners. <laughs> oh, all right. You you're a Sebastian <laughs> lover. He is so interesting. He, that his character is so polarizing. Some people love him, some people hate him. Um so it's interesting. I'm gonna ask you, why do you love what what is it about him? Why do you love him? I just love him because it's like, you know, his um uh, <sighs> It's just certain thing. Okay, he's not the one where his that's Alex where the husband died, correct? No, he's the one where his husband died. He's okay, self help guy. Okay, perfect. I got it right. I liked him because of like how he, like after his husband had died, and he was trying to find love again, and he was trying to like. I felt like he was trying to like fulfill himself you know like I felt like he was already accomplished career-wise with being a self-taught and type of creator and now he just want to find his soulmate and that's kind of hit home and one of my favorite lines I actually have it written down and he said in the first episode guys he said uh I asked for love to heal my wounds and that line just like hit home for me because it's like we expect uh people our homes by ourselves so it's just like i connect more to him on a deeper level does that make sense so it's like absolutely yeah first episode like got me in with that just that one line alex i like him but i was like sebastian is just my go-to he's my (laughs) go-to that's so interesting to hear and there there are some people who really really love him as well and then some people who tell me oh he's an old white guy i just don't care about him you know, that's what some people say, and they they prefer Alex. Or um, I, I will say, 
my favorite character, I think, to write and to voice is his ex-wife, his bitter, bitter ex-wife, Victoria. Because I oh, always nice. love me a good classic soap opera bitch. So... <laughs> Uh, she's very fun to voice and she's very fun to write and she goes through a journey um now in this in the second year she's a very different character than she was in the first year oh um and it's been fun to watch her change um over the years so i kind of like everybody i uh, carol is another favorite one um for the audience what i can say there's a southern a Southern family that gets introduced a little bit later. And Carol is, we don't know what's going on with her. She has a one night stand with the lesbian daughter, Savannah, but then she ends up dating Savannah's heterosexual brother. Mm -hmm. So there's a little, you know, is she bisexual? You know, what's going on with her? And uh, there's, there's a lot more to that story, which actually, trying to see if I can actually say this. Um, I will say it. It, It's a hot button uh, topic in the LGBTQ community. Yeah. Uh, What's going on with Carol once you find out, which you will discover later this year as you continue listening to it. Um, But there's a lot deeper stuff going on there with her. So she's been fun for me. I, I like her too, because I know I, the audience doesn't know what's happening, but I know what's happening with her. And so <laughs> writing that writing that has been has been challenging and and fun. Yeah. What do you want to tell uh listeners? Like what do you want them to take from this story, The Homos of Harmony Harmony Haven? I want people to just have a piece of escapism. Um that's what my daily store serials have been for me. Um, there was uh, a soap opera in particular I watched for 15 years and I went through so many changes throughout my life, but at, at changes, um, physically and, uh, emotionally, but every day when I would come home, I could watch, it's like they were my friends, they were my family and they were always there no matter where I was in the country I was touring, you know, when I moved to New York, because when you first move to New York, just another heads up, it's really hard. The city hits you hard and it either spits you out or you survive and you stay. (laughs) And it was really hard when I moved here, but I had, I still have my VCR and I would tape my show and I could come home after I was (laughs) working for this horrible, horrible producer. Um, and I would grab my sandwich from the Subway sandwich shop and I'd go home and I would put on As the World Turns and those were my friends and they'd make yeah. my day all better. Aww. So that is what I, when I wanted to create this, that I wanted to give that to other people. And I've been happiest when I do get the feedback from, like I said, the, the written audience who I hear more from, from an email where they start to say the same thing. Cause now they're in there. It's been a year and a half for them. And they're like, I feel like I know these characters and I feel like they're like my friends. And I, I'm way too involved in their, in their lives. Like I, I, like one woman wrote me, she said, she said, I find myself thinking about them during the day and wondering what's going to happen. (laughs) 
So that's what I want to give to people. I just want to give people escape, a fun uh, bit of escapism, but also a puzzle. Uh, my mind loves a puzzle. Mm-hmm. Um, so you haven't gotten to it yet. You're about to. You're about to get to the first oh, puzzle mystery the puzzle. Uh, that happens. And I've just discovered it's uh, it's always best uh, for me to be writing a, a, a puzzle, a mystery, whether it's a full-on murder mystery or it's just uh, some other sort of uh, puzzle mystery. I, I um, went through a period at the beginning of the second year where I didn't really have a puzzle, and I yeah. became a little bored with writing it. And I decided I had to come up with another one, and I came up with a doozy of one, I have to say. It is really complicated, and I spend a lot of my days thinking about how I'm going to make this work. Um, but that's the fun part for me, yeah. and hopefully it'll be the fun part for the audience too. It definitely will be. I guess this is a good note to end off on. Guys, Sounds be sure. Good. Guys, be sure to listen to Homos of Harmony Haven, written, voiced, produced <laughs> by Andrew Schultz. <laughs> Wherever you, you get your it. podcasts, I, we're on, I, I think, every single platform. If you have Alexa, you can just turn to your Alexa and say, Alexa, play the podcast, The Homos of Harmony Haven, and she'll do it. <laughs> Instagram. You have any other social medias? Uh, we're on Facebook. Um, I hope you can find it if you put in the homos of Harmony Haven. Facebook wouldn't let me use the word homos. They said it was derogatory. So I had to make the the O, that weird O-E symbol together. Oh. Okay, I'll find it. Everything will be yeah, linked and- in the bio, guys. <laughs> Oh, that'll be great, but that's how you find it. It's the H O E M O of Harmony Haven. Uh, yeah, oh. Facebook wouldn't uh, would let me, wouldn't let me use the word homos. Quite interesting. So yeah, find it wherever you are. We're on Facebook and Instagram. You can also we have uh, our own website, thehomosofharmonyhaven.com. and the podcast is there as well. But there's also uh, a bit about the characters, a bit about the show, a bit about me, so you and some reader testimonials, so you can get a lot of information from that. Yes. Andre, thank you again for coming on to the Zaya show and just explaining your stories and all the wonderful things that you've been doing. It was absolutely my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, and I will be listening uh, to your shows as the weeks go on, because I enjoy it as well. Thank you. Can't wait <laughs> to find the first puzzle, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you take care. You too. Yay! <laughs>